don't know. Or, let's or, try it again. Okay, let's try it one more time. One, two, three. It, to me, it's right. on. To me, it's on time. I, I guess I have okay, a, like a, so a big delay. I'm so sorry, Jordan. You're just gonna have to figure that out. <laughs> I'm Jess Fisher, and this is the best paper I ever wrote. This is Jess. This is the podcast best paper I ever wrote. Um, I'm here interviewing my guest, Dylan Tashchin. So, Hello. Dylan, how do we know each other? Well, I, I think I know you from school. You you and I went to NYU together, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> but the funniest part is I don't think we ha- had any classes together. We just kind of knew each other through, like, uh, that's funny. The, the circle my of friends. friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um. Well, and look, look which uh, relationship came out in the end, you and I. So Aww, how about that? Oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I'm, I'm thinking about, like, um, I was just thinking today about that you and I have, like, a, a pretty great, like, friendship one. But also, like, I think that you and I have a very good collaboration. Yeah. And I was thinking about when that started. And I think that's punk rock. Oh, my goodness. Punk rock. What a, what a time. Um. I mean, yeah. a little bit of context. We were children allowed to do a fully budgeted theater show by ourselves. Um, mm-hmm. Hey, and we pulled it off, but <laughs> not without... We so- did. It was a pretty yeah, we great really show. Did. I, was, um, I was the lighting designer, and it was um, I was the only person not in Dylan's studio. Mm. And um, they uh, hired me on to be hired. I, I mean, we, none of us were paid. I just mean, like, I was assigned yeah. on to be the... <laughs> The lighting person. And I think that was like the beginning of us being like, we're going to work together. We're going to make shit together. Yeah. And, and I, I think that's true. Yeah, definitely. And I and I think that it, I mean, was like put to a T when Jess did Hickory Playground. Um, ah, yes, yes. As a writer. And, and it was and it was really great. And that was your first time in Hickory, right? Oh, yeah. It was my first time in Hickory. I, I visited Hickory again last fall because I did um, on tour. And I love Hickory. I think it's a lovely, lovely place. I really like yeah, it. Yeah, we we love we love Hickory. Yeah, and then I guess I guess it was uh, we probably did some other things, just like tr- trying to do projects together. But w- whenever I have like a kind of a, ex- a project idea that I'm excited about, I say, Dylan, I have this idea, and then <laughs> this one this one actually was the one that kind of stuck. Um, like he was kind of yeah. excited about this idea, and and then brought it up in the meeting and here we are so um that's one thing i really appreciate about my friendship with dylan is that like i have an idea he gets excited about it now it's like you can talk <laughs> to your friends about like oh i want to start a podcast and they're like okay shut up but like dylan is like yeah we're gonna start a podcast so well, i appreciate you saying that i i always like to say there always has to be one one in in the big group of artists but <laughs> i'm just one so blessed podcaster. to know to know to know no no that person that just says like okay let's just do it fuck it one producer (laughs) yeah but um yeah i'm really happy i get to work with so many talented people um and i'm really glad that this podcast is happening and i'm really glad that i get to be on it so (laughs) it's so meta right now we're talking about podcasts on the podcast so where did you grow up and where do you live now dylan 
Uh, well, so, uh, as we mentioned before, Hickory Playground is in Hickory, North Carolina. Um, I'm from Hickory, North Carolina. I moved to New York, I guess, when I came to college, and I've lived in New York ever since. Um, I don't even know how old I am. It's uh, Quarantine has, has, <laughs> has taken those days away has from me. me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like I'm a ripe 29, maybe. Yeah, I, I was feeling... My, like, margin of error is anywhere from, like, 20 to 48, I think. Somewhere in there. <laughs> somewhere in there. Uh, where did you go to school and what did you study at school? So, I went to NYU with Jess. We both studied drama. Um, I also got a minor in business entertainment. So, um, Yeah, what? Yeah, this is where, that's where this essay is from. Oh, that's right. So, what is the title of this essay? My essay is titled A Family Affair, How Keeping Up with the Kardashians Changed Television. I like that. A Family Affair. That sounds very like um, like old TV. Like, um, you know, why can't I think of any old TV show that has a family in it? Like, uh, you know, the, uh, I don't know. <laughs> the Brady Bunch. Sure. The Brady Bunch. That's a show that has a family in it. Yeah. And, um, lots of lots of families. They got that. That new, Little House uh, on the Prairie. Yeah, exactly. Kim Kardashian, Little House on the Prairie. It, they go hand in hand together. Um, hand in hand together. The Simple Life. The Simple we Life, see, of course. We can see the, uh, the uh, lines being drawn. So what was the class that you wrote this essay for? Uh, this class was um, the business of producing for television, as a matter of fact. Um, it was hmm. the last uh, BEMT credit that I had to take. Um, and I think when there's that much, like, I don't know if it's on the line or, or, or not, but it felt, it felt really good to just like finish these essays and get them turned in. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, that, that's, what's funny about this podcast too, is that like, I hate writing essays so much. The actual act of writing an essay is the worst thing ever. I love research, but I like it. I remember thinking to myself, writing an essay that this is a form of torture yeah, <laughs> that's so funny that you host this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not like doing the the doing of the writing of the essay. That's a great <laughs> sentence. I am, I'm talking about the finished product, which is like the trauma is past. Let's mm. talk about the beautiful thing that came from it. Great way of putting it. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I find that I miss writing these types of essays. I feel like it was torture for me in college, but now that all of my writing is like press release and like scripting oh. for events and, and that sort of thing, um, you know, I wouldn't mind writing now. That's so true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's such a good point. I do it because I also work in, in media and communications industry, as one might say. And that's so true that I, I'm writing press releases, I'm writing social media. So it's like to write like a like a research paper yeah where i talk about something yeah that's so true yeah why did you choose this topic specifically well um i am armenian so kind of I, i'm very proud of that heritage and kim kardashian is is unfortunately or fortunately the armenian in the united states right now i think um you know, and, and oh, interesting. I, I'm, I'm so incredibly thankful for what Kim has done for Armenia. I wish she would speak up a bit more right now. Um, but, you know, that said, I, I always wanted to do um, 
like a, a case study on the Kardashians just because I, I always found them so interesting, you know, being from Armenia, following them from the beginning. So that's why I chose that's why I chose to write this. I always wanted to write about the Kardashians, which is a sentence I never thought I'd say, but <laughs> <laughs> that that's interesting to me. So the Kardashians were not popular for our entire lives. Like mm -mm. they came, became popular, I want to say in 2008. Um, I might be pulling that number out of thin yeah. air. But I mean, you've always been Armenian. So what was it like to watch um, an Armenian like superstar rise to being one of the most famous people in the world? Well, it's it's really interesting because I mean, like while Kim is Armenian, I say Armenian in, in quotes, um, there's something just so mm -hmm. incredibly uniquely American about the Kim Kardashian experience. Huh. Just because, you know, Kim Kardashian kind of personifies this like glamorous American lifestyle, which is kind of what we'll get into with the mm. essay. And I think people admire and appreciate that, you know, and I'll break it down more. But I, I yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. What was the research process like for this paper? A, a lot of the research is actually so. I mean, obviously, with any essay, you read you read articles. You know what people speculate. You read what Chris Jenner had to say. Mm -hmm. You know, but a lot of it is actually looking at the patterns in in the television ratings, and I think we can also look at the patterns of the Kardashians' media, social media. Excuse me, just because sure. while. You know, because in the early 2000s, you know, television stars were the stars. We didn't really have this social media where somebody could be on, like, have a presence online all the time where people see it. So who was in the select media that people saw were really important, you know, and what Kim and, 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 and Chris Jenner really did is they took this idea that someone could be famous for being beautiful and for being glamorous and and for just simply being an interesting person and, and turned it into this Instagram influencer lifestyle. They got the fame in the late 2000s. The show started in 2007. And then slowly when Instagram launched in 2010, this sort of culture was so perfect for the Instagram platform that I feel that that is now something that we can look at as the new like Nielsen ratings, because that kind of uh, signifies how popular someone is. Like I'm just looking at these facts and in 2014, Kim Kardashian had like 22 million followers. And now Kim Kardashian has 191 million followers on Instagram. Wow. And then they say that Kim Kardashian has a 2% influence rate, which is people engaging with her posts. And when you have that many people following you, you have like 3.84 million people responding to this. Wow. Yeah. That, I mean, that's how you can quantify the success of this show. And Kim, Kim isn't even the most popular Kardashian sister. I, Kylie Jenner. She has like 200 million followers. So. Wait, really? Yeah. Kylie Jenner. She has more uh, followers than Kim? Yeah. That's crazy pants. I never would have thought that. Yeah, Kylie Jenner. It's a really cool case study as well because she's basically piggy, piggybacking off of her sister, but doing it in a completely different way. Well, how is it different? So it's the same model, but I think that Kim 
I think Kim plays to an older audience, whereas Chloe and Kendall and, and the Jenners, per se, play to a bit of a younger audience. I think they're more involved in like the newer pop culture where like Kim is involved in the early 2000s pop culture. And, and that's why I think someone like Kylie Jenner does get more Instagram followers than Kim because it's usually this newer generation that has... Instagram. You know, that's not to say that the newer generation doesn't follow Kim. I mean, Kim is like the the godmother of Instagram, in my opinion. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's super interesting. I I was reading this article. It was uh, like a bunch of the Kardashian, like people around the Kardashians talking about. I'll I'll put it in the show notes. It was a business insider. And um, Brian Dow, who was the former agent for the Kardashians, said, Kim sort of paved the way for the economic structure of the native influencer marketing. Before the rise of the common yep. man YouTuber, you had people like her. She was the one who kicked down the door and got brands to spend money in that area because she showed success. Brands noticed that when you would pay a celebrity to send out a branded tweet, they were getting more click-throughs for the dollar, so it made monetary sense. So I totally agree that it's like the concept of influencership is is maybe like, I mean, it's less than a decade old, but it is influencer marketing is the buzzword of everything right now. Um, as mm-hmm. far as in the media, you know, the marketing sector that i'm in that it's um influencer marketing is seen as way more effective than than like google ads or um twitter instagram ads things like that so when the kardashians came on it was like facebook like facebook was the thing and Mm -hmm. that's not really where the influencers came in that was more so instagram in 2010 and and then her sisters follow suit as well her steps are they half sisters half sisters half sisters yeah followed suit as well um and created the model for influencership. So it's like their their stake in, in culture is way larger than just their TV show as well. They're, it's, exactly. it's also I mean, they're marketing. just like, yeah, it's a multi-billion dollar media empire. You know, if you get into like the roots, the Kris Jenner roots, um, you know, you've got makeup, you've just got all sorts of influence, you got clothing, you know, she really completed the web of everything you need to have a fully successful empire in this mm-hmm. industry. Um, it made me kudos curious to her about, for that. Yeah. I was thinking about like why influencer marketing works as far as the Kardashians go. And so like they're, they've, they're so big that they are in everything. Like we see them on magazines, we see them on TV, we see them everywhere on social media. Mm-hmm. And it made me wonder like, why, why does it work? Do we trust them because we see them all the time? Do we buy the product because it's something in our brain is like, yeah, I know who Kim Kardashian is. I see her all the time. She says I should buy this soap. I will buy this soap. <clears throat> yeah, I think you're you're like 100 percent on. So the reason we trust Kim, we trust Chloe is because we live. We're keeping up with the Kardashians <laughs> like we are. We want to know what's going on in the Kardashians and they don't hesitate hmm. to share it with us. Which is why, you know, that's why she's so marketable. The fashion brand's like, oh, Kim trusts, like, Kim uses this? Like, this person that is larger than life uses this? Like, I I think that I might want to use this, too. Like, I know Kim, you know, and what Kim likes, I think I like. Why do you think people connect to the show? Because there were shows like like the loose structure beforehand. Um, Look at the, the first American reality show, An American Family in 1973 which was super interesting it was a pbs documentary that was like nine parts and there were nine episodes and like in it the main woman asks her husband for a divorce the son moves to new york because he's gay and he wants to get in the new york art scene super interesting 
And then there's the the Osbournes in 2002, which is probably the most mm-hmm. uh, uh, other famous example other than maybe Simple Life, where they just take a look at a family. And the Kardashians, I mean, the Osbournes was successful, but nothing like the Kardashians. So why do you think they connect mm-hmm. to specifically that family? The structure was there, but why did this work? So when Kim Kardashian and Kris Jenner did this, they were a footnote in the O.J. Simpson trial. Mm-hmm. They were a footnote, you know, for the sex tape with a rapper that we don't need to mention. And there's this sense of they're not famous. They're just rich. Mm. Whereas someone like Paris Hilton in The Simple Life is perceived as this spoiled brat. Um, and they thought that that would sell. And unfortunately, it didn't. The Osbournes were like marketed as this very eccentric family. There's an otherness there. There's an otherness there, again, already famous. So here comes Mm. this pseudo-normal family. You know, they're rich. They live in Beverly Hills. Great. People love watching rich people's lives. And we watch them for 20 years now. 20 years go from footnotes to when you look up, you know, Kim's father. She's the most important part of, of that whole, you know, Wikipedia page. So that's why I think that it was so relatable is it's this dramatic family that didn't really have success yet. So you allowed this average American person to come into this super American life and kind of live vicariously through them and and like get this this rush of fame through them, which is the exact reason why the show is, you know, in decline now is because they have hit the top Mm. and now we're just not able to relate with the problems that this top tier of celebrities face you know we can obviously relate to certain things i think it's you know we we talk about the transition of bruce to caitlin jenner you know i think they give people a vocabulary uh per se to use a, a shared empathy you know for these situations because they trust the kardashians you know, and that's great. But now you have all these crazy politics, you know, they're all living their own lives now. You know, they have grown out of this show. And I think the audience sees that clearly the ratings review mm. that. So yeah, I to, to go back to the original question, that's why I think the Kardashians were so successful is this it was like, you know, maybe we're not rich, but like, my family does that too. And that's so crazy that these uh-huh. these people are just like me, you know, maybe a little more dramatic, but so I with, can do it with too. the Osbournes, it was almost more spectacle, whereas <laughs> the Kardashians, it's like an identification, even though they're much wealthier. It's like they're still going through the family problems. They're still, I guess, in theory, they're more down to earth. Do you think the viewer was like rooting for them? Um, to as they as they got wealthier, or is it a love to hate situation? Love I think it's to both. hate, like I love to hate them, not not love to transition to hate. Sorry, you were saying. <laughs> no, yeah, I, I I think it's a bit of both. I think when you ask somebody that religiously watches Keeping Up with the Kardashians, they will be the first to tell you that is a quote guilty pleasure, which is interesting. Because what I hear from that is, you know, this philosophy of, like you said, love to hate. But I also hear this philosophy of, like, you are rooting for this family. You, you're rooting for, you know, the advancement of this 
you know, quote, real storyline. And whether you feel guilty about watching that or not, that's your opinion. But at the end of the mm-hmm. day, you're watching it. That's that's interesting. So why do you think... Because I, I'm thinking about the, the concept of reality TV, right? Is that mm-hmm. you're going to be watching real people that have real problems. You're connecting to a real story. People, I guess, searching for authenticity. The title reality TV tells you that you're going to get that. Like, why watch reality yeah. TV instead of a scripted TV show? Because of... Um, prescribed or, or false authenticity. So I'm thinking about other really successful reality shows like, I don't know, Cops, like The Bachelor, mm-hmm. you know, American Idol mm-hmm. and Top Model and things like yep. that. And yep. I'm wondering why a show with no structure or it's just examining a family has done so well. Whereas, I mean, American Idol did wonderfully for a long time and like Survivor, Big Brother... Like a game versus just life. You would think mm-hmm. that a game would, would kind of tickle our senses more, but it hasn't as much. Survivor's, I mean, is survival? I think Survivor's back. I'm not totally sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that, I mean, you have two categories under reality television. Like you have this gamified version of reality television where that is the premise like it's this game and you get to watch these people play this game american idol like you get to choose who gets to continue in this game but like at the end of the day american idol is american idol you're there to sing and that's about it and that's why those shows like are successful and that's why they keep going is because the audience knows what they're getting into with like a keeping up with the kardashians it is story driven per se like whether it's scripted or not there are a lot of scripted moments in keeping up with the kardashians the audience doesn't know what they're in for and i think that you that requires an exciting cast of characters which we have with the kardashians um which perhaps we didn't have with some of the reality tv shows before Mm. an aside here is like you think of what disney says is they value characters and world over everything else and with Keeping Up with the Kardashians, you have the characters and the world. That's very That true. said, yeah, and that said, it's like all good television. After 20 years, it's going to get stale. Like, it, it just isn't... <laughs> even with the like, best characters, even with the best set. Exactly, because, like, at this point, we have kept up with the Kardashians. We kind of know what's going <laughs> yeah, on now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That made me think about... So, scripting in reality TV, right? Um, I was thinking about... Whether or not I can talk about this because I I signed a lot of NDAs, so I just won't say the name of it. But I was personally in the running for a reality TV show, and the contract was absolutely fascinating. It it described the scripting. So, um, at least in theory, well, I don't know exactly with Keeping Up with the Kardashians. They talk about it in some of the lawsuits, which I'll get into in 2013 with the divorce trials with Chris Chris and Kim, that Mm -hmm. there is scripting in reality TV. So, like... What's the point of calling it reality? I don't really get it. It's an odd mix of reality and not reality, of, of <laughs> naturalism, realism, and, <laughs> and whatever else we want to call it. Um, yeah. But, like, for example, with the reality show that I read the contract for, it was uh, they could make you repeat scenes. So, like, let's say I have, like, a really intimate conversation with someone. They could say, we didn't get that. Can you take it back? You said this and you said that. And you have to do it again. I'm wondering what it's like, just on a personal level, I'm wondering what it's like to do that. Because I didn't, I didn't take it. I didn't do the job. But I actually, I mean, I have been offered a, a different, this one I can talk about. I didn't sign any NDAs on it, that MTV wanted to come into my apartment and make a reality show about my 
roommates. And I guess that would have been more so like keeping up the Kardashians. It wouldn't have been scripted. It would have been up in the air. So I, do you have opinions about the scripting of it and if that makes it less less authentic and the fact that they hide that it's scripted? Yeah, that's a really great question. So I think like the simplest answer is no matter how scripted it is, it's like these mm -hmm. are real people and these are real consequences of whatever X scripted decision makes. Um, so I think there's like stakes to it, uh, which makes, you know, scripted reality TV so good. Um, and like, you know, it's said is real life is really boring. So I think to drive some of the plot lines home, it behooved the producers to script some of it. Now, there are lawsuits. There are consequences that come from, you know, signing away your life rights totally. to a producer. Uh, <laughs> there is an utter lack of ethics in, in some of that that world. And there's a lot of really blurry lines with it. So I guess to answer your question, I don't know how I feel about scripted reality TV show. I think it's like a necessary evil for a yeah. good reality TV show. But what makes it so interesting is the stakes that come around these people just simply being real people. And I think that allows the average watcher to get invested right. into these storylines, hence bringing them back. And hence them, keep, they keep watching it. They keep saying it's their guilty right. pleasure and they're so embarrassed, blah, blah, blah. But they always bring it up when, when you know, what's a guilty pleasure of yours? There's always someone in every group that says, well, I watch right. Keeping Up With The Kardashians. And... I think that says a lot about how these people have just dominated culture to the point where we can't stop watching. Yeah, it makes me wonder. Um, maybe now we can yeah, stop maybe. watching. but It makes me wonder if people care if it's scripted or not. Because it's like, we, we may have like publicly found out that it was scripted because of the divorce trial between Chris and Kim. Because during um, mm -hmm. like the, the divorce trials, to clarify some moments because they used a lot of the tv show to justify like who gets what money like who abused who shit like that the uh, the producer had to come and say that there was a lot of scenes that were scripted reshot or edited so that you can't use the show as basis for who gets what money and, and how basically the producer mm -hmm. had to come into the divorce trial and say the things that you're seeing aren't real like you just have to take what they say as true instead of our tv show is true so like, the public knows that it's scripted, but, like, they care as if it, it's not. Do, do you think it's a willful ignorance, or do you think that people like that it's scripted? You know, it's a, it's a good question. I, I think the Chris Humphreys example is an example of scripted reality TV show gone wrong. Mm. Um, you know, I think that was a big mistake. I, you know, I understand the thinking in the beginning but there are some things that are a little too real. And, like, you really don't want to script these things, especially, like, once you get the law involved, getting married. You know, to answer your question, I, th I don't think people care with the caveat of it being, like, the circumstances are too high. You know, I take the example of Kim getting robbed at gunpoint. Yeah, that's really scary. I was going to bring that up, too. That's really scary. Yeah, for that's really scary. To and that wasn't scripted. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I think you just, obviously, it's better to take as much reality as you can. But in order for an audience to be able to process it, I think that needs to be produced down to its basics. You know, you get 
six whole days with the Kardashians in an hour of an episode. So some of the scripting is a lot of transition and segues into plot points that need sure. to happen. Yeah, you can't have that six-hour conversation that led to X interesting conversation that happens to be in the Right, I was show. just thinking, like, even you and me having a casual conversation podcast, I have to, like, not exactly script, but I have to at least mark out, like, how I'm going to talk. Like Exactly, like yeah. The, the, the slice-of-life reality thing where it's just like, oh, this really happened. Like, there is always going to be crafting to it for it to be entertaining and to be listenable or watchable. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you you've watched a lot of the show. It was was there a moment or two that you felt affected you emotionally, like that you connected to because you talk about the real things they go to. Sure, Kim getting robbed at gunpoint. But do you have another moment? Um, you know, I'll preface by saying there are a lot of moments in the mm. show that don't age well. I do think there are a lot of conversations that happen in the show that are equipping people around the world with a vocabulary that is more understood and, and more relatable. So you just think about like, gosh, I don't know. I mean, the obvious example is, is Caitlyn Jenner, how they go about that, not making a huge marketing campaign of it, like making it very real, very private, but equipping people with that knowledge and, and and making and really pushing the empathy it's like these girls who are big larger than life really care about her and i think that that's what is really powerful to me you know because it's like really easy to make a big deal about something like that but at the end of the day having the gravity of the situation and that privacy really creates a real feel for me you know i feel like i am watching a family come together you know unfortunately i think that was season 15 the last five seasons which i must say i have watched sparingly have kind of just gone off the rails a bit um sure. and we're starting to lose some of those storylines but you know that's a great moment i you know i think the moments of genuine success for this family you know kim's first like vanity fair shoot like as unrelatable as that true. is like that moment of seeing exactly like this watching someone's dream come true in real life and and i think those are moments that i find really powerful and they happen all the time like these people just continue to find success wherever they go and all the petty drama that comes with it is just part of that success <laughs> yeah i was when you were talking about like um caitlin's transition like it made me think about mm. i i don't watch the show i've never seen any episode of the show but i did see a clip of her talking to i think it was um like kylie and kendall and they were like well what do we call you and it was just like a very very honest and a conversation that a lot of american families have and well and not just american but we're talking about american reality tv but mm -hmm. a lot of families have with each other of like changes that they go through and i i remember like feeling very touched and like i care about these people that i'd never cared about before so that's that's a very good point yeah. So, um, do you have an opinion about the recent Kardashian controversy island birthday party? Um, because it is now and today, um, and that is happening. Yeah. I mean, the the obvious answer is no, you can't do that. I think... Why not, though? Gosh, I mean, they have I, yeah, the money, 
Everybody was tested. Why? What's the issue? So, he, you know, it's a fair point. I think when you're that rich, the standard rules, like, you have a way of bending them. Like you said, it's like, they shouldn't have, normal people shouldn't have done that. Like, normal <laughs> people shouldn't just all go to an island during a pandemic. But, like, when you're Kim and you have the resources to get everyone tested and you, you know have a bajillion dollars to have a private island it's like okay i guess like we have much larger problems facing us right now that's how i felt i was just um, like why do you guys i don't know she has the money to have a birthday party on an island and get all her friends tested i would i would probably do that too yeah i mean i think i mean i think that's the thing it's like that's why we're so interested in kim k like oh i would do that too if i had um yeah, <laughs> this much money sure um and I think that's like the whole appeal. But like I said, it's like I, I kind of just knowing everything happening in these Kardashians' lives, I'm kind of just like, really, Kim? Yeah. Like, <laughs> but, you know, it's not my life. I just have I get to keep up with their uh, lives, I guess. Do you think that <laughs> other TV has been largely influenced? Um, and do you see any reflections of that in current TV shows? And follow-up question to that that can be tied in. Do you watch any reality TV now? And, like, what's your favorite thing to watch? Okay, so I definitely think that everything in reality TV shows today have at least been influenced by Keeping Up with the Kardashians. The obvious, in my opinion, examples are, like, the Real Housewives spinoffs. Um, I think totally. it's the same concept. This cast of characters that have, like, real lives that are, like, semi-scripted, but... You know, um, I think shows like The Bachelor and The Bachelorette take cues from Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Um, I think that in the beginning of a show like The Bachelor, Bachelorette, you know, you, you prioritize The Bachelorette, you know, The Bachelor, you know, and make that show about them. But now it's started to become about this cast of characters and each Bachelor, Bachelorette has a sure. a backstory, whether that be scripted or not, you know. And you get a lot more personal with these people. Right, which is cues from the from Keeping Up with the Kardashians. That makes sense. Exactly, exactly. So I, I think this idea of reality TV being centered around a large cast is, is something that, you know, Keeping Up with the Kardashians yeah. did really well. I personally don't watch much t uh, reality television, but I... I used to, when I worked for my former employer, I used to watch Big Brother. Oh, really? A bit. <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's a lot of fun. But yeah, I don't watch a lot. I, I love like Wipeout. <laughs> I think Wipeout's really fun. That's great. But right now, I mean, like, yeah, I don't even know if that counts as a reality TV show. But Game show <laughs> I love Wipeout. TV, they bleed. Like, I, I love, oh, what was that show? Um, I, I, oh, Too Hot to Handle. Oh, my gosh, mm. I watched Too Hot to Handle in one sitting. I loved every second of it. It was amazing. But I don't watch, I don't really, well, that and uh, I really like the uh, 90 Day Fiance before the 90 Days. I like the before the 90 Days. I like when they go and they have to meet and they're in, the, they're in a place they're not familiar with. You know, I love that. Mm -hmm. But I'm sure that mm -hmm. that's largely scripted, too. And that's a lot of structure, too. But I mean, I mean, I don't otherwise I don't really watch reality TV. But I do find that when I sit down to watch it, I can't I can't look away. 
I love it. Yeah. Especially like I've watched little bits of those like like crazy big religious families in the South. Like I don't know the Duggars, I guess. Oh, addicted. Oh yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think something else you can see from reality TV is the demographics of America and even the demographics of the world. You know, you literally label it uh, Real Housewives of Miami, Real Housewives of New York, Real Housewives of Los Angeles, because they are different people, a different audience base, different demographics, you know, different content, different people are sure exactly exactly and that's why like that's what that's a that's a page from keeping up with the kardashians it's all about Mm. the character that's a nice conclusion there dylan great yeah well thank you for having me Dylan. thank you thank you for coming on and i'm gonna do a little outro being like this show was produced by three playground special thanks to dylan tashin double thanks for being on the show but yeah thank you very much for (laughs) for making time and everything i i wouldn't have pushed it if i wasn't getting my wisdom teeth out on friday so (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh well well good anyway luck. have a great rest of your day <laughs> you too jess thanks for everything of course bye-bye this podcast is produced by hickory playground founded by dylan tashjan robert fuller and jordan maycant jordan is also our audio editor compositions are by lucky Sarudi. logos designed by morgan honeycutt my assistant in research is john morgan stern and our digital marketing specialist is simone elhart thank you so much for listening